Welcome to the Awake Church Podcast. At Awake, our mission is simple. Know God, take action. We pray this podcast will help you on that journey. I want to share something here this morning, um, and perhaps for the next few weeks, Lord willing, uh, planning on three weeks of talking about this, I want to talk about something that has to do with our motto that's up here. Oops, we just switched over. The motto says, know God and take action. So we got that from the book of Daniel. That's really what Daniel says. He says, those who know their God will display strength and they'll take action. He's speaking, the context is in the last days. People who know their God will display strength, they'll take action. I want to talk about that first part of knowing God a little bit today and throughout this series. Uh, how do we know him and what does that mean in some ways? So, you know, salvation is the beginning Sometimes it's kind of taught that if you get, once you get saved, it's like, it's the end. No, salvation is like, it's being born again. So it's like when a baby comes out, that's the start for that baby's living. And our born again experience, coming to Jesus, giving him ourselves, repenting, turning from our sin, receiving him into our lives, receiving his spirit into our spirit, that is the very beginning. And then this something beautiful begins on the inside of us that is unlike anything else. Jesus said it best. John 17, verse 3. John 17, of course, being his last prayer that we have recorded before he went to the cross. And he says this, this is eternal life. So if anybody wants to know what eternal life is, Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life, says it very clearly and very succinctly, this is eternal life, that they may know you. He's praying to his Father. Eternal life is knowing you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Jesus just sums it all up right there. Eternity and eternal living is about knowing God. There are people, even now, the ultra-rich, trying to come up with some sort of something to freeze themselves and to come up with some side of, side of, sort of pill, something they could take that would cause them to keep living, to keep living longer and longer and longer and maybe eternally. Well, Jesus said that's, you can't do it that way. You can't freeze yourself to live eternally. It's about knowing God. All summed up, knowing God. Incredible that we get to know God. I don't know if you take time to think about those things sometimes. I don't often enough. But it is overwhelming in a beautiful way to consider that the God, the creator of everything, who holds the universe in the palm of his hand, who is larger than what we can even fathom, wants to know you, wants to know me. It's his heart, it's his desire, 
And it's this beautiful thing that is, it is implied and it's talked about a little bit, but goodness sakes, this is, this is everything for you and I. This is everything, knowing him, being close with him. And it's been the plan all along. When God made Adam and Eve, he created them to live in the garden with them. There would not be a separation. So they could walk around together, which they did, and they could talk to one another, which they did. And then God takes Adam on these adventures before Eve was made, and they are naming every single creature on the planet. Whales and cows and birds, everything. I have a suspicion, although, yeah, this jumps into a little non-essential again. I have a suspicion. Think about this, okay? Just one second. Bear with me. If, if Adam named everything on the earth, perhaps he could breathe underwater. Perhaps he could fly at that time because he had to find birds and he had to find all the fish. To me, that's not too much of a stretch. We're talking about someone made in the image of God who can do anything, right? Now, sin in the fall changed a lot. Changed a lot. I can't fly anymore. And I am a scuba diver, but I have to have all this equipment. I've got to have my BCD and my tanks on to, to go under the water. And that's spectacular. But I would imagine that when God was with Adam, walking, talking with him, that they, the adventures that they had were beyond what we can imagine. Now, that's a speculation on some of those things, but it wouldn't surprise me. But it was intended by God that we would know him and walk with him and that that would never change, that we would live forever. We were created, mankind was created to live forever. Of course, sin, Adam and Eve choosing the devil and his voice over the father and his voice, that changed everything. They rejected God and sinned, and sin creates this separation, this huge separation. And then God had to remove them from the garden, the place of intimacy with him. They lived outside of that place. It's a, it's a crazy story, which is our history of all of us in many ways. But God intended us to be with him forever to start off. And so that separation and that sin for thousands of years or separation Separation between mankind as a whole and God, where we couldn't know him like Adam and Eve did. It was just different. There were a handful of people who kind of were an exception to the rule. Enoch was one of them. Remember, the Bible says about Enoch that he walked with God, which is like Adam and Eve walked with God. And it says, and he was not. He just was walking one day, and the next step was eternity. God said, man, I enjoy this so much. I just want you closer. Something like that. And Enoch is with him. David seemed to have this relationship with God as he was watching sheep, that he didn't just watch sheep, that he was developing this relationship with his father, with Father God, in such a way that God could say of him many times, that he's a man after my own heart. He's after me, after my heart. 
David was that way. We see a few people like that. Abraham says of Abraham in James chapter two, that God called him his friend. He was a friend of God. That's the highest calling on the planet, by the way. The highest calling anywhere on the planet is to be the friend of God. We, we have an opportunity to do that. That's incredible. Every single person. Every single person. I know a lot of people. I don't know any real famous people. And no real famous people know me. <laughs> and that's okay. In fact, I'm, I'm asked sometimes. Sometimes we'll play games at the house and with the kids and we'll say you know, things like, you know, what's your favorite this, what's your favorite that and stuff. And I'll ask, if you could meet anybody on the planet, who would you want to meet? And honestly, um, I, I have trouble coming up with a person. I really do. Uh, there's, I know there's lots of many amazing, famous people, but I, it, there's not a desire in me to meet them. What I want to do is get closer to the God who created everything. I mean, I really want to get to know him more. And then, you know, there are some people in heaven that I really am looking forward to meeting. And there are some, I mean, again, incredible people here, but man, what's driving me on the inside is not to meet someone on this planet that's just like me with the same stuff going on, right? But we get to know God, knowing him. Eternal life is knowing God. It's not a checklist. It's not a gamble. And it really is all about who we know. You know, in the business world, you could say, you know, it's about who you know, not what you know sometimes. If you know the right person, maybe you can get a job or you can get in this, this place. And that sometimes really is uh, true. In the kingdom, it's all about that. It's all about who we know. Do we know God? If we do, whew, you're in. We have access. We get to know him Someone, one of my former pastors said it this way. He said, every person in this room and any person breathing can be as close to God as anyone has ever been. Any one of us can be as close to God as anyone we read about in the Bible or closer. There's no limit. There's no stopper. There's not a lid that says you can only get this close to God. 10 foot rule. Nothing like that. There's nothing. You and I can walk with God. We can know him, the one who knows everything. Christianity is so different than everything else. All other religions, whether it's cults and sects or Jehovah's Witnesses or Mormons or Hinduism or Buddhism or Islam or New Age, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Take all of them. None of them are about knowing God. Maybe it's knowing about a philosophy or knowing a, a good way to live or, you know, false gods, a lot of demons in there. Uh, when you're in India and other places, they have like Hinduism, 33 million gods, so-called. They're really demonic type of things. But nothing but this is about knowing God himself, having a relationship with him. And then 
beyond that is that we get to be called friends of him. Friends of his. Jesus said that. He said that to his own disciples. John 15, he said, guys, here we are. We're in a new place. I no longer call you servants. I now call you friends. Jesus calling his disciples friends. That is, again, the highest calling. And we have that wide open to us. What if before we meet God face to face, we become his friend? This, this journey in life, this walk through on this planet is supposed to be an adventure and a most exciting journey ever of getting to know him. Not just doing things here. I want to do things here. But knowing him is the greater adventure. Knowing him is the greater journey. It's the one that satisfies fully. And it is eternal life. You start walking in eternal life as we begin to know God. It's amazing how that works. Jesus, of course, when he came, he made his father known to us. He said that was part of his job, was to make his father known and to make his name known. In fact, you find Jesus doesn't call him all the other names that God is known by in the Old Testament. He calls him by one name, Father. He reveals that God is a father. And then he shows people how to, relate, how to have relationship with a father. One of my favorite scriptures is Luke 5, 16. It says, Jesus often slipped away. Simple verse. Jesus often slipped away. Can you picture that? He's with his disciples. He's preaching. He's doing whatever. Next thing you know, where'd Jesus go? He disappeared. Maybe he caused something to happen that will get their attention somewhere else. Flash of light over here. Everybody looks. He takes off because you find the disciples looking for him often. Says that he often slipped away. To do what? To pray. Pray is another word for talking to God. Prayer is another word for communicating with the king of the universe. Prayer is another word for relationship with Papa. And Jesus is often doing that. And I don't think he's just doing that for what he needed, yes. But I think he's doing that to show us what to do. We should have, we get to have a habit on the inside of slipping away. Slipping away in the middle of the day. Maybe you run to the bathroom, go in the stall, close the door. And it's just you and God. You slip away for a few minutes just to be with him. Maybe it's just slipping away internally as you're walking around or you're driving. And we worship and we praise, but we're praying, we're communicating, we're asking questions. David mentioned that during worship today. Do you ever ask God questions? That is one of the best ways to get to know someone. In fact, the relationships that I have that are one-way relationships are people who only tell me things about themselves, and they just talk, 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 nonstop, and they never ask a question. That's a one-way relationship. That is not a relationship, really, right? It's not a friendship. Friendship goes both ways, and we need to be asking God questions in addition to just telling him things, or I need this, or I want this, and would you help with this, and would you help that person? All that is great, 
but it also has to have this, what are you feeling like today, Lord? Have you ever asked him that question? What's on your mind? What's on your heart? If you never ask your spouse that, it's going to rough marriage. If you never ask a question, if you don't care about what it, that it was going on inside of them, then it is a one-way relationship. And we as Christians are not called to that. We are called to know God, which means we are, yes, praying, slipping away. We're also asking questions. And I will ask him, and I often apologize to him for what other people have done and what he's experienced. Not that he's hurt, he's, he's a big boy. But I get grieved at how the world treats him and what is said about him and the things that he must, he knows everything. Can you imagine knowing everything that's going on and how people are abusing other people and misusing so many things and doing the wrong thing and the, the depths of evil? He sees all of that. I often just say, Lord, I'm so sorry you have to see all that. I'm so sorry that you made us so well and we've done so much wrong, and we so misbehave. What are you thinking about today? And he's never telling me about those things, though. But sometimes I just think about it. But he wants this relationship that is deeper than any other relationship that you can have. Closer than your marriage, closer than you with your parents or with your best friend or with a sibling or anyone else. He desires deeply that we would know him. You ever been in a place where you show up and someone way across the room, maybe you haven't seen them in a long time, but they know you. They call out your name. Maybe you're in an airport or a grocery store or something. And that person knows you, first sight. We want to be known by God that way. And guess what? We get to know him that way. Because he will say things and do things that are not out loud, but it's him. But it's him. And if we know him, then we go, oh, that's God. I'm paying attention because I know him. And that's the kind of thing he would do. That's the kind of thing he would say, so I'm paying attention because this is a relationship. Everything about God and the kingdom has to do with relationship. From the very beginning of making people, it was about, I want to have a relationship. Not, I want to create a system. Not, here's a checklist. Not robots. It's all about, and then Jesus saying, calling him father. It's all about family. Relationship and then even closer relationship, it's about family. And we get to know him. In Matthew 27, verse 50, says, Jesus cried out with a loud voice. He was on the cross. And he yielded up his spirit. Goodness. Nails through his feet, nails through his hands, crown of thorns around his head, blood everywhere, pain. Have you ever hit your funny bone? It's not so funny. <laughs> Jesus had nails through that nerve. Can you imagine? Hey, I, I, we can't. And in that spot, he cries out with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit, verse 51, and behold, as he did that, 
the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the temple that was nearby, the place where people it represented the presence of God, especially behind the veil, where the Holy of Holies was, or where the Ark of the Covenant used to be, in that place represented the presence of God. The only place it used to be the presence of God was God walking in the garden with man. And then after sin, God was basically his presence confined to a gold box called the Ark of the Covenant inside the Holy of Holies with a veil there. And it says, we learned that, this is some estimates, that that curtain was 60 feet tall. This, is, this roof is about 22 feet all the way to the deck. Three times this high, if you can imagine that. And around 60 feet wide, 40 to 60, well, no one knows exactly, but let's say from here to that wall, and then three times as high is this curtain between four, and I've read different things, between four and 18 inches thick. It's a thick curtain. Someone said, they quoted uh, Josephus, one of the early historians, lived in the first century, that he said if a horse was tied to one side of the curtain and another horse on the other, they could not rip it if they're going in opposite directions. Yet, this veil was torn from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks were split. And that veil being torn was not just a physical curtain. It represented the separation between you and God. And when Jesus gave up his life, that veil, the first thing that we have recorded here in Matthew, the first thing that happens is the separation goes away. The separation goes away between us and the Holy of Holies, the presence of God. That place that hasn't happened since the Garden of Eden, thousands of years earlier. And suddenly we have the ability, everyone who says the name, believes in Jesus, receives him, who is in the kingdom, who is a son and a daughter of God, now has access to this place that no one else has been for a very long time, except for a priest here and there. And they could die any moment and they tied a rope to their leg and if they died, they'd yank him out from underneath the curtain. But then we get to go in there without fear, Hebrews says we can boldly come before the throne of grace because of what Jesus did in ripping that, we can now go a place that no one else used to be able to go. We get to know the God that other people have never gotten to know. And this invitation, this greatest thing is minimized in the world as if it doesn't exist, that we get to know God. It's our greatest prize we get to have fellowship with him. And we can be as close as anyone else has ever been, if we want. But God's nature is the inviting kind. He invites, he doesn't force. He doesn't coerce. He doesn't make us do something. The invitation is wide open. He rips Jesus, ripped that veil right in two. And he said, here I am. Do you want to know me? Do you want to have fellowship? Would you like to go on an adventure? Would you like to slip away? Let's go on a trip. And then God gives us visions. 
He speaks with his presence. He speaks words to us. There is a sense in the invisible realm, in the supernatural realm that we are supposed to be used to because we, as Ephesians 2 says, we are seated there in heavenly places with him now, yet we're right here right now. How's that? Well, we're, I don't know how that works. But that's a spiritual realm and the physical realm. We're in the same time. Our spirit man is fully alive. And God is spirit. And we get to converse and know the God of the universe who then also lives on the inside of us. Not only were we, did, was the veil rent where we get to go into the Holy of Holies, the box that was represented the presence of God, we've now become the carrier of the presence of God. The carrier of God, which means wherever I go, he is with me. And Jesus said that as well. I will never leave you or forsake you. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Wherever you go, I am with you. So our, as, as Paul said, I pray unceasingly. Wherever I go and whatever I'm doing, there's this communication. Paul got a hold of this. In fact, let's read a little bit about what Paul said here. Philippians chapter three, verse seven. Here's the apostle Paul, who was Saul first. Let's say this first. He was Saul, Mr. Pharisee, poster boy for the Pharisees. I mean, he was doing everything right that he knew how to do right. He was persecuting anything that was opposite of what he felt like was true. But verse seven of chapter three, Paul says this. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them but rubbish. Your translation may say garbage. I count everything else that I've learned and understood and all the accolades of others and the positions I've had, I count them rubbish that I may gain Christ. Verse nine, and may be found in him, not having righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteous, which comes from God on the basis of faith that I may, verse 10, that I may know him, that I may know him. Jesus saying, this is eternal life, knowing the Father and knowing the Son. Paul said, I count everything but everything rubbish except for knowing Jesus, knowing him, and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death. Generations previous to ours, There was even a desire to suffer like Jesus suffered. There was a, a knowing this was all part of it. We've lost much of that. It may come back, but part of knowing him is also being in fellowship with him in every way. It's what Jesus said. It's what Paul says here. Paul traded and exchanged the value that he'd placed on everything else and knowing anyone else, whew, throw that in the garbage. This is all about knowing Jesus. All about knowing God, walking with him. Of course, Paul, as he was talking about things, experiences they had, he said he'd be caught up into the third heaven. 
he would see things, and he would speak from the third person about someone else doing these kind of things. I think he was speaking of himself. But he would share his experiences with God. Some of them were just for him. But he had experiences with God. The supernatural is this knowing God. It's a supernatural thing. Uh, one of my, it is, honestly, my favorite thing is when I get time where it's quiet and I've got my Bible, my journal, and an early morning sun. And if the weather's nice outside, preferably. And there's birds and there's trees and there's a light breeze. And it is, it is like I am diving into, I feel like I'm in the garden. As I enjoy God, as I enjoy him. You were born to enjoy God. It's your calling. Your calling is to enjoy him. To serve him, yes, but to enjoy him more. And enjoy him serving. Right? They all go together. Psalm 25, verse 14 in the Amplified says, the secret of the sweet, satisfying companionship of the Lord, sweet, satisfying companionship with the Lord. I like that. Have they who fear, who revere and worship him, those who worship him, and to me, the fear of the Lord, if I were to put it in my translation, it's to care more about what God thinks than what anyone else thinks. I care more about what he thinks than anyone else. Everything else is rubbish. I care about what God thinks. That's the fear of the Lord, or in part anyway. It also says it's the hatred of evil in Proverbs 13. How do we do these things? How do we get to know him? You know, one of the things he's given to us are physical, natural relationships here. Primarily marriage and being a parent. Two of those things, oh my goodness, you're going to learn a lot. In a marriage relationship, you learn about these asking questions and giving and serving and loving and paying attention. In being a parent, you learn those same type things, the serving and the giving and the enjoying this relationship. All of those things come out. I've learned so much about the father when I became one because I never felt this way until I had this little man that I'm now holding and then another one and another one and it's like, oh my goodness, my heart, the way that I feel about them, I can't explain but it helps me understand, oh, that, you feel that way toward me? And then my knowing him grows. My knowing him gains understanding. It gets thicker. It's greater. As I've been married over these years, oh my goodness. And then it, all that Jesus is talking about, um, everything culminating to this wedding at the end between us and him. This relationship that's growing and growing and growing and growing and growing will one day become consummated in a marriage. Again, it's all about relationship. It's about knowing him. And so I'm learning how to relate to God through natural relationships. And God speaks. He also listens. And I want to pay attention to the way that he speaks. And I want to go in there, into that place where he is, to listen to him and to pay attention to what he's saying and to grow in this relationship with him. 
So over these next couple of weeks, I want to talk more about this in some practical ways that we really learn from natural relationships carried over into this relationship with God, which has supernatural dimension, so it has all these different layers. But I want to talk more about that because this is your calling, and this is mine. How about if, you know, a year from now, we're sitting here in this room, and we know God 10 times better than we do right now. How about that? That's a good year. That's a great life. You know, it's interesting in Matthew chapter seven, when Jesus says, there'll be many who will come to me and they'll say, Lord, Lord, we've prophesied in your name. We've cast out demons in your name. We've done this. And he said, he said I'm gonna say to some of them, depart from me. I never knew you. We didn't have this. You were doing stuff, but we didn't have this interchange. And man, none of us can afford that. None of us can afford that. We want to keep growing year by year by year. I want my next year to be knowing him greater than I did this year. And then the next year after that. And maybe one of us or two of us or five of us will be walking one day with the Lord and just step into eternity. (laughs) He might do that. He might just like you so much and your presence so much that he says, okay, yeah, this is like Enoch. I got to have them here too. That's okay with me. And if that doesn't happen, I want to get to know him more. So he's inviting us. He's inviting you personally. No one can do this for us. That's interesting too. He's inviting us personally to know him even better. Lord, we just want to say thank you for this day. Thank you for your invitation that is standing wide open. Holy of holy, standing wide open. No separator. No certain people who can only go there, but we all who have beheld you, who have received you, who have believed in you, have this opportunity. And I'm asking, Lord, for all of us in here, everyone in this room, that you would stir up hunger and desire and thirst for you, like the deer that pants for the water, that you would put that on the inside of us greater than ever before, that our first love would be you, that our greatest desire would be to know you more, that we would, like Paul, consider everything else rubbish, just garbage, in comparison to knowing you, in comparison to having you, to having this relationship. And Lord, I pray that you'd grow our relationships with you, one another as well, but especially with you, that we would know what you're like, that we would be able to spot what you're saying and what you might be doing, that we would not be like the Pharisees who missed the Son of God coming to the earth because it's not what they expected. Lord, we want to expect and wait and see and have this yearning on the inside. And because we know you, we will see. We will know. May we all know you in such an incredible way, Lord. I pray for dreams that would be an invitation to closeness with you. I ask, Lord, for visions. I ask, Lord, for your presence, for angelic visitations. We ask, Lord, that your word would come alive to us as we read it. It would be a diving board into knowing you. As we read the stories of what you've done with someone else, our hearts would leap and say, I want that too. 
Lord, I pray that our ears would be unstopped. And it says in Isaiah 50 that we would have the ears of a listener. Open our ears, open our senses. May we be more comfortable in the spirit with you than we are on this planet. May we hear your voice better than we ever have. Lord, may our heart have this desire for you when we wake up in the morning. Where's God? I, I want to talk to him. I want to see what, I want to hear what he's saying. I want to, I want to know what's on his heart today. As we go to bed at night, that it would be, Lord, I give you this day. Thank you for it, Lord. And now join my dreams through the night. May this love affair with you never cease for any of us here as we get to walk with you and talk with you and get to hear you tell us how much you love us. Help us to live in this place. And I pray, Lord, for a, a greater hunger for you than ever before in our lives, that our first love would be fully alive. We bless you and I thank you, Jesus, for being here and thank you for ripping open that veil. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for the, the power of your blood, for the beauty of your sacrifice for the wholehearted way you gave your life away to ransom us so that we can know you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, we'll look forward to keeping going on this. We have ministry teams that will be up here in just a moment. If you'd like to receive prayer for anything, please come up, meet with them, get prayer, prayed for, something internally, something externally. We also have prophetic teams. They're encouragement teams. You, do, you need to re, uh, do you need to receive an encouraging word? We've got teams out there, they'll pray for you, they'll ask God for an encouraging word. Some of the things that have guided my life have been through these type of situations where people are hearing from God, they speak something and it's a life changer for me. So those are available as well. Have a wonderful week. Please get your kids before you go home. <laughs> go and sin no more, enjoy God, all those things. Thank you for listening to today's message. For updates on future episodes, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review to let us know how we're doing. For more information about Awake Church, visit awakechurch.com.